we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Westwood One Podcast Network. This might be the most consequential decision of my life. This guy's either legit or this is how I end up murdered with my kidneys removed, you know, in a, in a ditch en route to Haiti. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. My name's Andrew Brockenbush. I'm your producer, and I'm joined by the two most badass podcast hosts on the planet, Navy SEALs Marcus and Morgan Luttrell. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Good to be here, brother, as always. It's going to be a good one. It's been a little over two years since Hurricane Harvey, and uh, it seems like yesterday I was living out in uh, the Woodlands, Texas, and uh, we were lucky enough to not have any flooding like right where we were at, but I ended up having to kayak people out of their neighborhoods when all of that happened. And so I'm really excited about the guest we have today who's who's doing way more than kayaking people out of neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. We're talking. We also got a buddy of ours in the studio, Sid. He was there during Harvey. Brother. Good times, wasn't it? Great times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this up and coming storm is something else, especially since um, this is the backstory on Team Rubicon and Jake himself is an incredible individual and Good on him. Yeah, I'm excited about this. He's insane. I mean, like listening to his story, just just incredible. So we're going to do something new this week that we're going to keep doing every week, which is a Patreon question of the day. And today's Patreon question of the day comes from our friend Nathan Robar, who's one of our Patreon members. Uh, thanks, Nathan, for being a part of the team. His question for you guys is, what is your favorite Bugs Bunny cartoon? Bugs Bunny Fantasy Island. All right. The, mo- the movie, right? Is, that's what it was. Bugs Bunny. There's a movie, right? Fantasy that's the Duck's Fantastic Island or Fantasy Island. And, yeah. Hold on. Let's give it a Yahoo real quick. Come on. Come on. Bugs Bunny. The one where. You remember Blinky? The one with the voice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You remember uh, uh, Bleaky Buzzard? Beaker. Was it Beaker? Beaker. Beaker Buzzard. Yeah. 
The baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Beaker the Buzzard. Yeah, it's my favorite Oh, man. Fantastic Island. Fan- okay. Yep, there Is you it go. Bugs Bunny's Fantastic Island? Daffy Ducks. Daffy Ducks. Daffy Ducks, my guy. That's right. Yeah, yeah Daffy revolved, Ducks. It revolved around the There bug. it is. Boom. Boom. Is that it? Dude, yeah, that, yeah. Whoever did the narration, the voice, the old Wizard of Oz guy. God, that was awesome. Oh, and the Wishing Well? Yeah, the Wishing Well guy. Man. Have you seen that, Sid? Was he the voice? He might have been. He was the voice for every one of them. God, I remember when I, I still remember very vividly that coming on as a kid. I was glued to the TV. I'm gonna have to listen to. I don't think I've ever watched this. Obviously, I'm the younger guy oh, in the room. Great. So yeah, it, it's, it's it good out. even now. The best part about having kids and, and the way t- t- with technology, like you can find the the cartoons from when we were kids. Anytime my kids were in there and we had to watch cartoons, I, I'm straight to GI Joe, G. Joe He-Man, Transformers, Transformers Ultron. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> Wonder Twins. Mask. Yeah, oh, the mask. Those are great. Right? Yeah. Like we always do every week, we're going to share a listener story. This week's listener story comes from Jacob, and uh, I'm going to just jump right into his story. I'm currently serving as a master at arms in the Navy. My first duty station was to Bahrain for two years from 2017 to 2019. Nothing in my life could have prepared me for the struggles I'd face there mentally and physically. There were days where I didn't want to get up and go on shift. I'd have to muster all the strength mentally to get myself out of bed and go to work. I went through a rough few months when I first arrived. I had never been away from home for more than two weeks with the exception of boot camp and A school. Now all of a sudden I'm halfway across the world, away from friends and family. At the time I had a girlfriend that I had been dating for two and a half years, but the distance and depression put an end to that relationship, which made things worse. I couldn't get myself to even go to the gym, which had been part of my life daily since high school. Not working out or talking to anybody outside of work and secluding myself only made the depression get worse, and I became lonely even though I had plenty of people behind me willing to help. As time went on, things got a little better, and I continued to suffer in silence while off shift in my barracks room. Then around November of 2018, I considered taking my own life. I sat there and asked God to help me and guide me in a better direction. He answered my prayers, and I was able to pull myself out of my depression and get after it every day. I was consistent in the gym and at work. I started to excel at work and became one of the most reliable petty officers in our section. I then left Bahrain in June of 2019 and went home on leave before reporting to my next duty station in Poland. While I was home, I found out my grandma, who is a second mother to me, had been diagnosed with colon cancer and a few months before I got home, but she didn't want to tell me until I was home and she could do it in person. I also witnessed for the first time my youngest sister's PTSD from a previously abusive boyfriend my mom had a few years back. They always talked about it, but being overseas for two years, I had never seen it firsthand until one night I walked into the kitchen and she was sitting on the floor crying with a knife in her hand. Luckily, she didn't harm herself, and I was able to get the knife from her and comfort her until she was calm enough to get back up to bed. After getting through my depression and coming home in July to find out all this terrible stuff my family had been dealing with while I was away and would still be dealing with while I was sent overseas yet again was starting to bring back the depression. I refused to let it take a hold of me this time and continued on until it was time to leave. Now, a few months after finding out about my grandma's cancer and everything else in my life, I'm happy and back in the gym on a daily basis with a wonderful girlfriend and great friends at work here in Poland. It's through Marcus's book, Lone Survivor in Service, and the TNQ podcast, I was able to find strength to get through all the hard times in my life and get to a place where I'm happy for the first time in years. Thanks, brothers, and keep up the great work. Thanks for sharing that story with us, bro. We've been to Bahrain. Oh, yeah. And I can only imagine, but we were, we weren't fresh out of boot camp or A school, and that place is depressive. I would absolutely have you share your story with those 
Yeah, I'm sure if somebody shows up to Poland for the first time straight out of boot camp, they're going to be just as depressed and sad being away from their family. You are. You have a, if you have a moment of reflection to share that and and pay that forward, the way it saved your life, it can save others' lives as well. Yeah, I mean, the only way around that, I it, it's, it doesn't start off that way. It's like, hey, I'm just going to hang out in the room for a little bit, then the, a little bit longer, and the next day is like, oh, I got nothing going on. It's kind of then it just escalates. But I mean, it's kind of one of them deals where you're in a you're a foreign man in a foreign land. And you don't rec- I mean, you can't. No, I know. It's tough. I mean, you don't know. Especially in the summertime, if you and you can't get out there and relate to anybody, and you're just gonna hide out in your room. That's a you're a, that is a rabbit hole, buddy. I mean, I, I, how long is it there? Two years. Two years. And then to Poland. Well, I mean, that's night and day. That's one eighty out from each other. Thanks for writing in, man. Can we get an update on? Yeah, keep your head up and keep going strong. Everything that you've been through is, is is a lesson learned. You take the good and the bad from that, man, and you march forward. So I mean, keep us updated on on your on the progress of your grandmother as well yeah for sure yeah and thanks for sharing your story jacob it's i think it's so important that i think it takes a lot of courage to put your story out on the website and and really to share it with anyone in anywhere and so the fact that you took the the moment to do that is going to help someone in our audience and like like morgan said you know hopefully you can take that moment to share it and pass it along to somebody else that's just coming in Good. Da, 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 Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Yes, I am. Like I knew that I would. Na, 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 na. No, a dance too? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk. Starts the morning on a high note. Yow! Songs, dances, and dad jokes. So good. So good. I got you. Mm. Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love the TNQ podcast, make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes, had some incredible guests, including J.J. Watt, David Goggins, and LaDamian Washington. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Join us on Patreon. Yeah, you're going to get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content access to the Patreon community where you can support others, and you also get rare access to Morgan, Marcus, and all of our incredible guests. Uh, You know, Patreon is a really cool platform. We've already got a lot of members. We're dropping some really cool content. And uh, if you're not already, there's access to some cool things like Marcus and Morgan being interviewed by their wife. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. Patreon.com forward slash Team Never Quit. 
All right, let's get into today's show. I'll kick it off. I was proven through this through the uh, through your website, and I I got I got to know. Most people don't don't put their mascot on their uh, web page, so give us a little background information on Remington. Remington, uh, yeah, man. Uh, so Remington's he's my pit bull. I've had him since uh, probably around 2012, 2011, 2012. Um, I got you know I actually I got him at a time when. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a hard time. I like my, my, uh, my sniper partner had just committed suicide and, you know, my, both my sisters and my girlfriend who has be, since become my wife, they kind of looked at me and, and they said, you need to get a dog. And it was totally out of the blue. And, um, so one day I was, you know, I was sitting there having breakfast uh, at a cafe with my wife and there was like this random, like pop-up adopted dog, thing on the sidewalk and we walked over and you know, I saw this little pit bull puppy, adorable little dog fell in love and, uh, and brought him home. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, he, he became the team Rubicon mascot in some ways. Cause I, I just was bringing him into the office every single day and everybody loved him. And, you know, he's like the friendliest thing on the planet, but um, you know, so many veterans kind of, they see this, whether it's a, an actual trained service dog or just kind of a, a canine companion, uh, you know, having something that relies on you for all of its earthly needs and is loyal to the bone, it, it's just like super refreshing, you know, as you're trying to navigate what life is like after being on a team that you went to combat with. So, so Remington was, was really played that role in my life. Now he's just kind of a, a thick skulled, uh, you know, uh, knucklehead, but, um, you know, just, played just played a really important you know role in that transition for me obviously he's named after my sniper rifle which i don't tell too many people but um, uh that's awesome yeah man most everything i have is named after something like exactly (laughs) yeah my next dog will probably be claymore (laughs) yeah yes that's good i yeah i had to i had to ask that i saw it when i was i was i was pleasantly surprised because our our puppies are part of our families and when i when i saw uh so I mean, he made the the leadership list. I knew there was going to be a good story behind that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and although we've worked together, yeah. it's uh, I mean, you, my brother and I, we we know who you are and, and what you are, and kind of the vice versa thing. To our listeners, man, can you give a kind of an overview of what what you uh, you've created? Yeah. So you know, my name is Jake Wood. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of an organization, nonprofit organization called Team Rubicon, and. Uh, that got started in 2010. We can, we can get into the kind of the founding story if you want to take it that way. Sure, but, yeah. you know, at our core, what we do is we, we recruit, train, and deploy primarily military veterans for disaster response and recovery work. So we've got, we've got a network of about 100,000 volunteers across the United States. And we run, you know, this year we'll run about 120 disaster response operations, ranging from like, you know, a small flood in rural Nebraska to a tornado in Oklahoma to, you know, well, you know, you've already mentioned Hurricane Harvey a couple of years ago that slammed into the Gulf Coast of Texas. So uh, we do things at both a large and a small scale. Most of it's rapid response. We do some long-term recovery work, um, and we also do international work. So we'll deploy much more highly skilled, highly vetted, highly trained volunteers into places like 
uh, Mozambique, where we'll run remote medical missions in uh, villages. You know, earlier this year in Mozambique, we responded to two cyclones that hit, you know, and we were getting, we had teams that were inserting via helicopter to, you know, really, really hard hit areas well beyond the reach of a lot of other non-governmental organizations. So that's what we do. So I would say that, that was going to lead me into my first question. I mean, in 2010, what sparked it to say, hey, look, we need to organize not only the, in the veteran space, but get first responders. And is Port-au-Prince, from what I, if I if I did my homework correctly, was y'all's first, is that, is that y'all's first deployment overseas? Yeah, it was. And it was actually the moment that the organization formed. I think some people uh, might make the mistake of thinking that my buddies and I conceived of this idea on a whiteboard or at business school as a project. And the reality is, I got out of the Marine Corps two months before the earthquake hit Port-au-Prince, and I was applying to grad school, just kind of sitting around, kind of trying to figure out what was going to be next, and woke up one day and saw the the, the earthquake in Haiti. And I sat there for hours and hours and watched that scene unfold. And any, anybody that's been uh, to places like Fallujah or you know, Kandahar, Sangin, where I spent a lot of time, uh, the scene looked pretty familiar. I mean, every building looked like it had been hit by a 2000 pound JDAM. And I, after a couple hours, I called up an organization and asked them if I could go down there and volunteer. I kind of explained my situation and said, Hey, I've got, you know, the next six months free before I'm going to graduate school. And they all said no. And as a kind of a hard headed Marine Sergeant, I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'll find a way around this obstacle. And so called a bunch of my buddies and we formed a small team and we got to Haiti about, uh, about four days after the earthquake and immediately set out doing, I guess you'd call it expeditionary medical triage work. We were going to the hardest hit areas of Port-au-Prince, treating people on site, finding ways to evacuate folks back to whatever resembled a working hospital. And we did that for about three weeks. And that was the formation of Team Rubicon. Just so I've recently stepped away from the federal government and then, of course, background in the military. Just the complexities of finding funding. You know, if you if you got your boys together and say, hey, we're doing this. But did how did you guys accomplish that? I mean, how did y'all, did y'all get federal funding, privately funded? Someone, somebody you knew is like, hey, look, I, I got the I'll, I'll cut the check. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was it was honestly it was a it was a series of consecutive miracles. Um, I I initially made an appeal on Facebook, and I just put out my private PayPal account. You know, hey, uh, if you know me, I hope you trust me. This is what I'm doing. If you want to support it, send send money to jacobawood at gmail dot com, and people started doing that. And, and this wasn't even tax deductible at the time. I mean, these were. These were people who didn't care about the tax write-off. They just trusted me to go down there and do good work. You know, we, my, my co-founder, William, he, went, he was living in D.C. at the time. He, he ran over to the, the Haitian and the Dominican Republic embassies and convinced their ambassadors to sign these letters of safe transport hey, um, that helped us get across the border. With how did you get supplies. into that border? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so we, we fly into the Dominican Republic. And again, with these consecutive miracles, we're about to board these these public transportation buses to take us towards the border. We assume we might, you know, we, we don't know whether we're going to just be able to cross, like walk across, whether we're going to have to actually run some sort of insert, like circum, circumventing the, the checkpoint. Um, but as we're about to board these buses, this guy rolls up 
he's he's clearly Haitian. He looks at us on the side of the road with all of our gear. He goes, you guys look like you're going to Haiti and you look like you can handle yourselves. And he said, yeah. He goes, well, hey, you know, my father's a, a telecom mogul in Port-au-Prince. I can't get a hold of him. I'm taking these two vans to the border. And at the border, I'm going to get put, picked up in Hilux trucks. You want to ride? And I'm sitting there, guys, I tell you, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm like, this might be the most consequential decision of my life because this, guy this guy's either legit or this is how I end up murdered with my kidneys removed, uh, you know, in a, in a ditch in route to, right. to, to, you know, Haiti. And, uh, obviously I'm here. He was, he was totally legit. We got picked up by some Hiluxes. Um, and, uh, yeah, made our way to our, the compound we'd, we'd identified and just started working the next morning because it was sundown. And Port-au-Prince catapulted you into, into success. I'm assuming the word got out. Well, yeah, I mean, word initially got out. People were looking for good stories. They were looking for stories of hope. And you know, this word kind of got out that there were these, you know, they called us vigilantes, right? This vigilante group of military veterans running around helping people. And it was a compelling story. It got picked a couple of places. And so we came back to a little bit of fanfare. But you know, frankly, I, you know, from there, getting to a point where it was a viable organization, it took years. I mean, it, nobody simply accepted that we were a legitimate organization when we came home. And in fact, most of the people, as we were trying to build the company, they would say, well, listen, this was a flash in the pan. There's no way this idea scales. It's unsustainable. We're not going to fund you. And the number of times I got told that were I mean, I can't, I can't even, I couldn't even count. Right. And so it was a grind for at least the first two years following, following Haiti. Man, it's pretty amazing what you've created and the whole fact where you remember back right, right after the wars kicked off and the guys were going, there's a lot of contracting stuff going on and those big contracting companies mm -hmm. went into, and they were just kind of, it was guys getting out of the military, going into Merc work, really not, I shouldn't say it like that, but contractor work, Blackwater stuff. You have taken that model and put it in what, in, in a, in a humanitarian light. I always, my brother and I talk sometimes, and I was like, because of the way how great this country is and how, how far we've come with technologies and stuff like that, it, you need, it's getting to the point to where, I mean, you can literally pick up your phone, look at a picture or something, push, uh, touch the, the picture, and it'll show up at your door, right? And it, it's getting to the point yeah, where you lose yeah. the, how, how, how special that really is and why that actually can happen. And because people... A lot of people don't want to grab a rifle and throw a uniform on and go over and serve in a war zone, but everybody wants to do humanitarian aid. And we were talking about like, you know, like have mm -hmm. American humanitarian services, and that's basically what you've created for the Americas. And I mean, you have a fixed wing asset, and right now it's just going in when those when those hurricanes hit and doing what you're doing. But ultimately, man, you I mean, you could have special forces teams put into this thing to where like you you're going in to pull the diplomats out first, and they have because of the way you're you you have those you can move through the borders and. And just your overall ability to to want to help, it's built. I mean, it's just one yeah. one favor, you know, receives an award, which receives a favor, and so forth and so on, man. It's just because you haven't, you've never stopped in what you were doing, and it's supposed to be a grind. I mean, if it was easy, everybody could do it. And when they're telling you it's not possible, that's yeah. that's how you that's how you know you're in the right spot, right? So I mean, yeah, exactly. You, and, and you yeah. could have you could have teams of guys literally posted up in each state, like you got like. I, I mean, how awesome would that be to get back with the, with the guys in our platoon? Like we have, everybody walks around with a recall button, and, and you, we still get to go train with them and, and do all that. But now, instead of going in for war, it's going in for hurricanes, right? I mean, that's how they—that's yeah, how y'all look at it, right? You get to get back together and go back on a deployment, but do help people who are in need again. 
You're exactly right. I mean, it, it, we actually just rolled out a new tagline uh, that's that's built to serve. You know, I think you look at uh, the types of folks we served with overseas. They raised their hand to to serve their country, and you know, some people had a great experience doing that. Some people, you know, had a a less favorable experience doing that. But at the core of of so many of these Americans uh, and, and Brits and Australians and Canadians, you know, all, the whole coalition. Sure. They have this desire. They, they have this desire to help and make the world a better place. And you know, at some point, every warrior puts down the rifle for the last time, and they got to figure out how do I serve next. And you know, we're just trying to tap into all that skill they gained. And, and you're right. I mean, there, there's you know, there's an element of that that special forces model that we can tap into. When I'm talking about sending guys to Mozambique after a cyclone, you know, it takes a special human being that's got special training to really thrive in that environment. And we are absolutely looking for the right folks who can raise their hand and say, you know what, I got more to give and, and I'm willing to give it. Um, and, and shameless plug, fellas, we're hiring something we're calling a crisis innovation lead. Uh, and we're, we're hiring it right now. So if you guys are looking to lead those teams, we're looking for, you know, the type of person that can, uh, you know, go into the worst situations on the planet unarmed and, and, you know, create a bunch of good out of it. Um, and so for any of your listeners out there that are, that are looking, you know, that have that type of background. Um, oh, man. We've so got that, yeah, that's where my guys for, come in. That's for reconnaissance. So, like, when, when the disaster, when the war just breaks off, right, you sit exactly. down reconnaissance. I think we've so got they, a pretty linear, long linear yeah, list man, on those draw guys. The maps, where to put this, where to put that. That's where your engineers come in. I think we can most definitely help you out yeah. with that one. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm thinking of those moments right after Puerto Rico got slammed with Maria. You know, we sent a small team onto the island just to figure things out. And we had no idea what the mission set was going to be. We had no idea if we were going to be able to roll out any of our traditional capabilities and services. But we put a small team of guys on the ground that we trust. And we said, you know, figure something out, figure out a way to help. And uh, and they just innovated. Right. And they they kind of threw the rule book out. They threw the playbook out and they said, OK, let's start from scratch. Um, you know, I think of, I think of the way we dropped those A teams in, uh, after nine 11 into Afghanistan, there's no playbook for that. No, I mean, no, at least no. not one that I ever saw. Nope. Right. It's all and about innovative, you creative trust thinking. smart people. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, how it starts with everything. Yeah, you send that so small team in with their food and water on their back and then they sit down and then the village grows from there. Right. I mean, you rebuild it from the, exactly. from that nucleus out like a center point. That's where that leadership comes in you sit yep. down. This is the base. And by the time we're done with this, man, we will, you know, hopefully have got into the indige and help them get back up on their feet. I don't, I don't know if this was yeah. inadvertently done or not, but at team Rubicon, the way, and after just giving it time to develop, I, you have something here that gives veterans purpose. And a lot of times, as you said it yourself, veterans need something to do when they're coming out. Not only are you, are you a, are you a humanitarian uh, company that goes out across the across the globe to rebuild and save lives, but you're actually doing your veteran community a service by giving those in need what they need. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Yes, I am. Like I knew that I would. No, a dance too? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk starts the morning on a high note. Yow! Songs, dances, and die jokes. So good. So good. I got you. Mm. Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. Yeah, still in uniform. Still in yeah. uniform, man. That's what I'm saying. You got, and you give civilians an opportunity to do that as well. Who didn't want to get into that that military ride? That service is. I mean, it's, that comes in multiple forms. That's why when you say when we say the pledge, yeah. it's actually the only time as an American you're actually supposed to stand up and say that just to pledge your allegiance to this country. And I mean, you kind of give the veterans and civilians. I mean, everybody who who can. Yeah, you, know, you take take that take your gun and turn it into a rake, right? And just hey, get in there, man. Start mm-hmm. start shoveling some shit out of there. Do y'all have t- do y'all have touch points to yeah. exiting veterans that by chance? I just just this is kind of off the cuff here. Do you have are, are, is is Rubik, Team Rubicon looking into? You know the deal. You got out. Of the, you got out of the service. There was nobody there standing there saying, "Hey, here's a job. Here's something for you to do." Yeah, what's that class you got to take? Taps. It? Taps. Yeah. There you go. That's terrible. I skipped. Taps, I actually yeah. skipped it. But so I, I've actually. Yeah, so I've actually learned recently that Team Rubicon is briefed at TAPS classes, which for people that don't know, Transition Assistance Program, um, the TAP. And uh, and actually, so we, we've been trying to get uh, into TAP for years, and we're always kind of rebuffed by the DOD. Uh, but apparently, uh, I've, I've since learned that there's a one component of TAP now is a, a briefing on community-based service organizations like ours, um, and, and so we're an element of that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you guys, you guys hit it. I mean, I always talk to people. I try to get them to imagine this, you know, this 18 year old kid that joins the army after high school, you know, goes to training, gets a uniform, becomes a part of something bigger than himself, deploys overseas, has guys surrounding himself that, you know, would die for him and, and he would die for them. And he's going out on a mission every day, fighting for a flag. It's, you know, and he comes home, and he's walking through an airport, and people are, you know, shaking his hand, thanking him for his service. And then he takes off that uniform for the last time, whether it's after four years or 24 years. And he goes back to whatever hometown he graduated high school from. And nobody, nobody, you know, thanks him for his service anymore. He doesn't have a purpose. He's not fighting for a mission. He's not surrounded by people that would run into machine gun fire for him. I mean, that's a t- that right there is the transition. It's right. less to me about jobs. It's less to me about education or healthcare. It's how do you restore that sense of sure. purpose? No, at, pride right on the community. head. Right on the head. That's exactly. They hit that slippery slope and it's gone and gone. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're sitting in their basement playing video games for you know for three straight years. They put on thirty pounds and suddenly it just becomes the spiral of of self you know the the, the self hate really, self defecation so all the way yeah that's great we want a bit yeah i tell you what if you're looking for we all marks and i always have teammates from either any service come across just looking for something oh, we got a barn full of crap just waiting for something to go down and we were, i mean we had we had tr- trucks loaded up because most of us who had operated together we're still together we mojo and i still run around with them guys mm-hmm. and uh when mm-hmm. especially when the disasters happen when something we're always together i mean we always bunch up so i mean once we figured out everything was safe around the house yeah you you, you did it's, it's kind of one of those deals where it, it's an option 
I heard. I think you said it. I, I, I've never heard that that term before. But like when when you're getting out of the military and you're in your taps, and they're like, "Hey, this is like, hey, you can get out, out." Or like while you're in school, you're still you're going to be assigned to this unit, this, this Team Rubicon unit. And that's at any given time while you're in school, you get you know you you get text, you gotta you gotta roll out because you're part of this team at this given time. It's going on right here, so it's still following service. And by the time they go through the military college and get out of all that, they've had, they've been a humanitarian. They've served in the military. They've got a, a degree. I mean, and all of that is just by throwing on the uniform and giving back to your people. Yeah, that's one of the things we've really tried to tap into is how do we get on the college campuses? How do we penetrate the the student veterans organizations on those campuses? These are people that. They've got some flexibility with time. They are in the midst of their transition where we can have the most impact on their lives and actually really start to, I mean, one of the amazing things I've seen with Team Rubicon is it serves as this incredible network and about 25 to 30% of our volunteers are not military. There a lot of them are police and fire, uh, local officials, a lot of business owners too. And so if you're getting out and you're going to school, like what's, what's, predominantly uh, in your, your mind, like dominating your mind, your thoughts are what's next. What's my job going to be? What's my career going to be? We give you the opportunity to network with all these folks who are working in private industry. They can give you exposure to internships and, and job opportunities and, and mentorship opportunities that, you know, it's kind of hard to find some time on a, on a college campus. So it's definitely one of those things we've seen with the veterans and college campuses. I mean, but this could be like something like what's because you don't have to have a natural disaster. Some of these cities, man, the, the areas are they look like they've been through disaster areas. You could t- turn in something like the Scout, the Boy Scouts, except for you have it's it's team it's two team Rubicon in that area, and the veterans are actually like the 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 platoon leaders. And every every weekend they go into the city mm-hmm. and rebuild something. I mean, from the young kids on up. I mean, it's it's. The sky's the limit with that thing. I mean, it's just like with the military. You could have your yeah. you could have your hard guy. I mean, the guys who like when the war jumps off, you're the ones that go out and that's all you train for. And then you got the ones that are the the daily. Most people have this misconception about the military is that we're in our uniforms all the time, standing in formation and marching. I mean, well, that's just in the morning, man. So so we can check in. Everyone knows you're okay, and and you find out what you're going to be doing for the day. Other than that, man, everyone has a job. It's just like we have doctors, accountants. Yeah, have, um, you know. You you name it. It's it's just like it's the perfect nuclear family is what 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 it's created actually, and uh, those of us who go through it, we just have that that taste for for what America really is, man. Especially our generation for twenty years of war, guys are getting out and they're they're mm-hmm. looking for when when it comes to tr- looking for something to do, man. If they're part of that and if they have a the family is the best thing. That I think when the guys get back and what they miss is that camaraderie, and, and they pull them away from it. Because what the military does is it condenses the town, right? It makes it real small, so mm-hmm. we have to hang out. We have to eat with each other. But when you get back home, you still have a team around you at your town. It's just you don't venture out for whatever reason. Yep. But you had to do that in boot camp. You had to walk your ass into a room full of people you didn't know and eat and get to know them. And that's kind of what it's like coming back home sometimes for, for some of the guys because they get so yeah. uh, integrated into their units. But when they come back, uh, ultimately what it is is you've become the soldier of that town. It's your job. It's incumbent upon you to pass all that knowledge to the kids and everyone around you because <laughs> the town sent you into the, into the big, big family to learn all that. I mean, that's the best part about yeah. the age of my brother and I right now is, is the first 40 years were just for training. Now we're passing it back to the kids and anytime they get in a situation yeah. where they can learn how to take care of themselves, that's huge because of technology. You you live in a world where yeah, technology goes away. I mean, you go in and deal with people during. It's basically like a zombie apocalypse. Is when you go in 
because I mean, you, people can't get the drugs, can't get no food or water or anything like that. So you're going, it's, it's a zombie apocalypse war is what you're going in to fight. Ultimately, people aren't rational. It is a, as you know, that, that team can grow and grow and grow. And you, your job is to run straight into that. It's man, it's noble. The more I talk about it, the, the cooler it is. <laughs> I was like, man, good job, bro. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it is fun. I mean, you spend so much time talking about community and, and, and like your town. And I, I, it's all, it always amazes me. I'll, you know, I'll go out, I'll drop in on a team that's responding somewhere and I'll, I'll show up to the fob or the building spot where people are bedding down for the night. And you see these new faces come in, they've got their rucks, you know, with their equipment, whatever that they're, they're bringing. And you see the, the incident commander, uh, you know, he'll just say, Hey, you know, grab a bunk. And these people just walk over, they'll find an empty cot, you know, we're just sleeping on army cots like, like anybody else. And, and, uh, you know, they, they put their gear down and, uh, you know, they start unpacking they just start chatting with that person next to them. And, you know, that it might be a Marine Corps veteran of 20 years who got out as a Lieutenant Colonel sitting next to, you know, some, some E3 from the, from the air force. And they just, all those walls, you know, they may never, they may never ever have a conversation if they were just walking down the street and past one another or sat down next to each other at an airport bar, but they're sitting on these cots next to each other and they're instant brothers and sisters. It's just the most unbelievable thing. And then the other element of that is, yeah, you're right. You met someone, you mentioned it earlier that there's this whole component of America that didn't serve in the military. And when we see our volunteers going out and helping these homeowners, these communities, these survivors, they start to learn the stuff that our people are made of, right? It, 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 it uh, abolishes some of these these biases they might have had or these preconceptions they may have had. Some of them may be true. Some of them may be false. But it, it really stitches together this understanding between our community. And, and, I, and, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our veteran community, this generation has become increasingly insular. You know, there's this whole group of vets who they they say oh america doesn't understand me nobody understands me but they, but they also don't want to be understood almost they they put up these barriers and it's just not healthy for our society and so i i see that breaking down a lot with the work we're doing oh it wouldn't be successful if it didn't happen yeah we we, yeah. Do, we do have a problem in the veteran space everybody wants to be the victim mhm yeah and i mean yeah, you look exactly. at it like what you i mean you are the soldier so when you when you leave and the wars we've been fighting in and how we've been trained and who we've been trained with and just the whole concept of our war is different than any others because of the who our our enemy and how it shifts and so i mean most everybody comes out of there knowing the law a certain you know different languages and i mean you you traveled around and then when you get back you come back to your town and you go back to where everything was kind of like the way it was right Instead of sitting in the house and not talking about it, get out and teach everybody what you've seen and what you learned. Because most everybody else just sees it on a, yeah. on on the TV or something like that. You're the one that actually went out and lived it. And those experiences are, yeah. are valuable, man. You can you can go out and walk that warrior path your entire life and or, and, and become that warrior that, that we are. If you when you were talking about the E three to the commander sitting on the lunchroom, it's just the same thing in the military, right? And the same thing in the if you had a big company and everyone had a cafeteria, so the guy who worked in the mailroom and the CEO sitting at the same table, right? And if you're the captain and or the mm-hmm. boss of the ship in the military, you want to know what your E3s are doing. It's just like your kids. It's, it's basically a family. And if yeah. you structure it that way, yep. and, you want, and, you, and it's not look, I'm not getting on to you for certain. I'm just this is how this works, man. I'm if you, you can look at a negative or you can look at it like I, I'm positively 
trying to tell you something because I was in your spot and then I made it through that part. So I just, you can take my advice or you don't. And that's, you know, that usually comes with the, the eldest son. They don't want to listen to, you know, they're, they're, what is it the reputation it's not reputation i guess a mixture of reputation and ego like hey i'm supposed to be this way right and then like it's okay man it's always good a lot of guys who get out of the military and they go into another job they feel like they got to step right into the top part of it when in reality and everything we do in the military whatever school you start at the bottom i mean a ranger school you don't go just to graduation if you're if you're running the rangers the same with seal and we learn faster that way. Yeah, you may be starting at the bottom yep. again, but there's no responsibilities. You still have all the knowledge. You know how fast you're going to progress through the ranks as opposed to if you just step right into the top, man, you don't really understand. I mean, you may know it, but you don't understand it, right? And then you don't you don't yep. know the people around you. And and that's what's important, the people that can around you cuz they that's how that's what runs your company. Everyone looks at the the ultimate name of the company, like the big name like Microsoft and Apple, but that that there's a people behind that. Same way with the Navy and the Marine yep. Corps. It's who it's the people who make that up and the reputations that flow well, with humility, them. right? Correct. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of swallowing your pride. And it, yeah. And, and I don't, I think people don't give the military enough credit for the humility that, that makes up members of the military. You said it, right. You, you show up, you might be, you might be, have already passed buds. You got your trident. You show up to ranger school. Like, Hey man, you're just a candidate at that point. Like nobody gives a shit that you're, that you're a seal. Uh, you know, you go, there's always someone who's better. There's always, you know, this, this, and, and, and with that, this attitude that, Hey, I can always learn something. And I always, I, I show up every day and I have to audition for my job, right? It's that level of humility that, that I, you know, at least the Marine Corps taught me, um, there was always somebody better skilled, better equipped, better trained, better anything for my job. And I had to show up every single day and re-earn my role. Um, and I, I just have seen that across branches, across ranks. Oh yeah. That's why we, we say the only easy day was yesterday and you got to earn your trident every day, you know, every day you go in yeah. and cause there's, there's going to be tough stuff every single day. So if you don't deal with it that day, don't carry it into the next one. It's either gone or you dealt with it. Cause there's going to be something new the next day. And, uh, it, it is, it's, um, that's got to speak volumes to the guys and girls that you guys bring you guys on board. Cause it's not all rainbows and roses. I'm sure when you show up to a particular place, no, something tells me your no. attrition rate is very low as well, because people are in there for the passion of it. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's no, there's no authority or power over volunteers. Right. So if you don't meet their expectations, they are going to leave. And some volunteers inappropriately come to a, an operation with this expectation that everything's just going to be hunky dory. All the logistics are going to be, you know, uh, uh, ironed out. The the sleeping arrangements are going to be easy. You're going to get three square meals a day. You know, the work is going to be just like perfectly lined up. I mean, it's a freaking disaster zone. You guys saw it after Harvey. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why you're. You that's why bring... you're in there because no one else has yeah, a plan, exactly. food, and water. And I mean, that's if you showed up to a disaster so area to get sleep and three meals a day, then you showed up. You're you're there for the wrong reason. Yeah, I'm saying a college yeah, party. And, but, but nevertheless, we have, we do, we have some of those people show up and they don't, they just don't understand that, Hey, we do chaos. Like that's what we do. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be, you know, expectations may not always be met, but we're leaning into that chaos. We're trying to bring order to it. Uh, and the right people, I mean, we get it right most of the time, right? Most of the time, the right people are showing up with the right attitude and they yeah. become a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And I don't have much tolerance for people who want to be a part of the problem. I just, I, I can't suffer fools like that. So 
we, you know, we gracefully show them the door and we, we open it back up for somebody who's going to show up with the right attitude and, and help us, you know, by being a part of the solution. Y'all did it kind of backwards. Most people in this, this world or in similar worlds start, start in, in their state or in their country and then, then migrate overseas. You guys went all in and went overseas and came back home. What, uh, did you actually see Team Rubicon developing in what it is today or I, I, I mean, that's probably kind of a loaded question, but you come off the tongue faster than any other, yeah. any other organization that's, that, that deals with this. Yeah, we didn't. And we really didn't. We came back and we thought, you know, for the first year, first 18 months, that it would just be a hobby. You know, we thought we'd have this roster of, of guys and gals, mostly from the special operations or, you know, combat arms community that, that we'd call, you know, we'd put a bat signal up and we'd get 10 or 15 or 20 of them to go to in exclusively to go internationally. And, uh, but we never thought we'd work for it. We always thought, okay, this will just be a hobby on the side. And I was going to still go to grad school. I was going to, you know, be an entrepreneur in some other sector. Uh, my co-founder was going to continue with what he was doing. And it just, it was funny. It was just that snowball story, right? We, in that first year, we went to Chile after the tsunami. We went to South Sudan. We went to Burma. We went to uh, uh, Pakistan after the flooding there. So like, you know, some really, some pretty hardcore places. Sketchy places. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, And the veterans that we were deploying were coming back and they kept talking about how, you know, stimulating it was, how it restored that sense of purpose. And then, uh, you know, it's a tragic story, but, uh, in the, in the spring of, of 2011, so a year after we started a little over a year after we started, my sniper partner committed suicide and, and he had been a a real form. Yeah. Well, we've all, we've all been there. And, uh, you know, he was a formative part of, of team Rubicon. And and so when the dust settled from, from his suicide, we just, we kind of took stock of what we wanted out of our life. And, you know, I looked at what I was pursuing. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and by that, I meant, you know, I wanted to go raise $5 million and turn it into a hundred million dollar company and be rich and buy a boat. And, <laughs> and, you know, in that I mean, order, no, <laughs> no, no, that. no, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. that's a thing. <laughs> Otherwise it wouldn't after. be a thing. I get it. Yeah. And so, so a couple of weeks after Clay's death, um, the tornado hit Tuscaloosa in 2011. I don't know if you guys remember that really. Oh nasty yeah. Tornado. No, no, no. And, and so we just made this really snap decision to deploy. And it was the first time we ever deployed domestically. We had no idea what the mission set was going to be, but 30 people descended on Tuscaloosa. And I'll tell you this, this will be really special for you guys. We're in Tuscaloosa. And the first night we get down there, we're sitting around this campfire uh, outside this cabin that we're staying at. We'd have been helping all day, you know, helping these families, you know, cut trees out of their driveway, get access to the roads again. And uh, we had really poor cell service. But all of a sudden, one of the phone rang, one of the phones rang. And my buddy across the fire from me picks it up. And I could see him like struggling to hear the guy on the other end. And I saw his face change. And he hung the phone up. And he, he just kind of like paused for a second. Then he looked around the campfire. And everybody, you know, we're drinking beer, we're laughing, we're having fun. And he's, he kind of quieted everybody. And he said, I think he just said that we shot Osama bin Laden. <laughs> and I, and we, we were all kind of, we all kind of looked at each other like, what? He goes, no, I think, I think we just got, I think we just got bin Laden. And I mean, 
I mean, guys, I mean, like that was just the most powerful moment of my life being there, helping people all day, being around these brothers and sisters from the service and knowing like there was so much closure in that moment, knowing that we'd gotten him. Right. And, uh, you know, knowing that that was your community. Thank you for all you guys did. I know you guys were, were kicking indoors for, for a lot of years downrange. You know, we all looked up to you guys, but that moment was just so powerful for our organization because it just three weeks after Clay's death, we finally got the guy that sent us all to war, you know? Right. They keep talking about uh, pulling out of Afghanistan. It's like, dude, we got the guy we went there for. I don't, I mean, that's when, when that happened, you're right. Everybody who had ever fought in that war was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we it, needed. It, for, at least for that moment, everything seemed worth it. You know, um, yep. and every, everybody's got a different like perspective looking back on, on the cost of the wars. But in that moment, I think, Everybody that had worn the uniform up to that point in time looked back and said, "All right, we 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 got we got our revenge," you know. Yep. So, agree. Well, man, hey, I I can't thank you again for coming on here enough. Again, actually, for coming on here, it, can you tell us how people can if they want to patch in, how they can find you, if they want to register, brother? You got any other questions? No. Yeah. So gonna... people can find us online. It's all really easy. Uh, TeamRubiconUSA.org. Um, if you just Google Team Rubicon, you'll find us. We, it's really easy to sign up. Uh, people can get involved locally. We've got you know th- literally thousands of events happening across the country each year, training opportunities, and then obviously the deployment opportunities. We'd love to have all your listeners, veterans and otherwise, uh, you know, join Team Rubicon, get out, help their community, um, and hopefully, fellas, I see you guys out sometime. We can go, you know, swing some hammers and and uh, you know. Oh, you'll be back in our stomping ground for too long, I'm sure, with all the hurricanes come through here. I'm sure. What's that that new um, organization you're st- you're standing up in Rubicon for the leadership? Yeah. So is there like res? You guys want to send resumes in, or is it just kind of word of mouth? Or oh, the crisis, the crisis innovation lead. Uh, so that's a full time role. Um, we're we're actually in the interview process right now. So if if any listeners interested, they can go to our website and, and backslash uh, career uh, and people can look at all the open jobs we have. Um, but that's an important one. I mean, that's, that's the type of person that you, you send in alone and unafraid uh, to go solve the world's hardest, and most complex problems. Um, right. We might even be lucky enough to get a Latrell in that role. Well, we're a package deal. Again. <laughs> 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 that's funny. That's funny. Oh, one's covering the right side. One's covering the left. Yeah. All right, brother yeah, man. Thank exactly. you so much. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the shit out of that. that hey, was God awesome. bless you for what you're doing. Yeah, for man. Seriously. That, hey, that, I, I know it's gonna. You just watch, man, because the people ultimately these people want to help. I mean, our, our countrymen are great. They're just looking for. You can tell by the way they when you when people need money. Even when bad people ask for money, they get it. So I mean, it's there's goodness <laughs> everywhere. It's just finding an avenue for them to. Uh, and I think because of technology, man, they're, they're just they're looking for avenues to help and get out and do something. And I think you've created that, man. So just if your mission statement, if you if you ever wanted if it. It wasn't solid. It is, man. Just to protect. Yeah, the Team people. Rubicon's on. Who do we donate to? If somebody asks us that, we say, "Hey, Team Rubicon's yeah. trustworthy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate. That carries it. a lot of weight. All right, man. We're out. It's great to be on. Later, bro. All Later. right, take care, fellas. Good on you, Jake. 
man, just like we were talking about. It takes some sack to say, hey, let's go over, especially at Port-au-Prince. Hey, let's, we're headed over, we're going we're gonna to do good things. How do we get there? I don't know. We'll figure out on, we'll figure out underwater. Hey, all right. <laughs> exactly. Because it is, man. I mean, it's dropping into chaos. It's when you pulled everyone's shelter, water, food, and all that sustenance away, all their medications, everything. That's a zombie apocalypse. That's what that would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of. It ain't hard to spot a white guy in, in, in Port-au-Prince. Yeah, right. Put a team together to go in there and just and to stay in there. That's what he's talking about, man. That's where that all that war fighting we've been doing over the last 20 years comes into play, man. Even if you weren't engaged every single day, you were in it. Right and around it, I mean that, and that in itself. Teaches Some of those you. places they go are war torn. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, so you're going in, having to deal with that. Yeah, so, man, keep fighting the good fight. I, I think you're going to do great things that you already have, man. I, I just that, that thing's going to take off, and I, I wish you nothing but the best, man. God bless. God bless, buddy. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that needed a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. If you guys want to be the first one to know when we drop new episodes and you need to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, you can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we release a new episode. If you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, then you know that we keep our followers up to date with new gear, new sales, new guests, new events, and tons of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. If you're not following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, Morgan at Mojo Luttrell, and me at Andrew Brockenbush on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. It's been a blast. If you guys want to learn more about Team Rubicon, head over to TeamRubicon.com. You can follow them on Instagram. Uh, you can also follow Jake. Uh, I believe Jake's uh, handle for Instagram, Twitter is JakeWoodTR for Team Rubicon. Follow him on social media. Keep up with everything they're doing. And if you want to earn one of their fancy gray shirts that they have, you definitely want to go to their website and see how you can get involved. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in this week. 